Welcome back to another episode of the Laser Tag Podcast. Today we are not tagging in any new lasers, but I am going to be tagging in our co-host here, Christian Newton. He is back and we're going to dive into uh, a little bit of his past and a couple of his stories. So how are we doing, Christian? I'm doing well. I just figured this week we uh, might as well switch it up a little. We, we're known to uh, keep it light. But I figured since it's May and it's towards the end of the month, we look into our mental health, check our mentals here. And I'm willing to uh, discuss my own mental health. And I will answer any questions you ask me. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to dive too deep. I don't want to scare you off or anything, you know, uh, but, you know, we'll no, we'll get into a little bit. Um, I know you said anything's uh, anything but like one subject is. Is Other than one subject, but... <laughs> I'll let your, so, uh, I'll let the listeners, let the listeners' uh, imagination run wild here. Yeah, yeah, they can, uh, they can. I'll put up a poll on our Instagram. What you think that <laughs> is? Um, no, but we'll, uh, we'll get into it. It'll be a little more uh, heavy than our normal topics. Um, yeah, we will uh, get this going. And as you mentioned, May is Mental Health um, Month. Um, so that is what we're going to talk about. And first question I have for you, Christian, is what does that term mental health and mental health awareness actually mean to you? What mental health for me is it's arguably the most important part of your health. Because if your mind controls pretty much anything you do as a human being, whether it's on a, if you're playing a sport, whether you're shooting a basketball, kicking a soccer ball, throwing a football, or whether you're in school trying to read a book, typing out an essay and whatnot, your mental health is crucial because what your brain tells you is probably like 99.9% what you're physically going to do. And once, if your brain is unhealthy, then you might as well expect your whole body to be unhealthy. And when the whole body is unhealthy, very rare does anything good come from it. I know you hear a lot of people when you're talking about feelings and like uh, your state of being, a lot of people tend to go to what your heart feels or what your mind feels. And it's interesting to me that when you say that, those are, those are technically they're, they're tangible, they're physical things within you. You have a heart, you have like a brain, you have a mind, but in this aspect of mental health, we're not actually talking about like the physical part of your body. It, it, it's like a state of mind. It's a, it, it can be your brain. It can be your heart, but like the feelings portion of that isn't really talking about the tangible physical part of your body, which is very interesting to me. Yeah. The, the brain is the muscle. It's, it's our, I think it's the most powerful muscle in the human body. And if you're not, if you're not actively training your mind, or if you're not actively doing things to sharpen your mind and make it better, then it doesn't do you. It doesn't do anybody else any good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so next question I have for you. Mental health, what would you say it's closer to? Would it be simply as close to being happy 
or would it be closer to comfort comfortability? I could give you the uh, the straightforward. I could give you the, kind of the uh, hedge answer and say it's a little bit of both, but for me personally, I think it's more comfortability. Because, and I'll be honest, happiness. It's a state of mind. It's not something where it's once and oh, I'm happy. Like he's a happy person. No, it happiness is a state of mind and it's ongoing. It's not just a one-time instance. Comfortability. It's kind of the same thing, but for me mentally, if you feel comfortable or if you feel in tune with your own mind and body and how you feel yourself then everything else externally shouldn't matter as much. Okay. I like that answer. I I probably agree with it, that it's more comfortability rather than happiness. Um, When I was, when I was trying to think of things to ask you about this topic and, and whatnot, I was like, what are two things that are very close to like what people identify mental health as? And those were two that came in mind was happiness and comfortability. And like, there's a, there's, there's a fine line on what's different about them, but they're also very similar. Um, so I wanted to throw that question in to kind of get your thought on that. Um, but tell us a little bit about, about your story. Tell us, I know you mentioned when you, you wanted to do this topic, you, you talked a lot about your mental health at LaSalle when we were there, the, the four, couple, four years that we were there. Um, so tell, tell us a little bit about the, the experience, the, the hurdles you had to go over, um, and basically those four years. Okay. So I'll start with my freshman year. And feel free to add follow-up questions as we go along, just whether it's for your clarity or for anybody else's clarity. So going into my first semester freshman year, even before that, starting out, I was gonna be I was gonna try out for the men's soccer team. I was gonna as a goalie, hoping to be a walk-on. Did I realistically think I was gonna make the team? Mm. Part of me did. Part of me was also realistic. Like, you kind of walked on. Like, it's going to be very difficult. And then once I got there, I did everything. I thought, huh, I, I thought I showed well, and I thought I would make the team because I thought I showed well. And come to find out when coaches are taking each individual player and telling them whether they made it or not, they got to me and it said, we, we're not keeping a fourth goalie, so we're going to send you home. And that stunk because at that point, I was just – I was kind of feeling a little – I was feeling down. But there was also a small part of me that was motivated, like, okay, you think this is going to deter me? No, I'm just going to go that much harder. And so a lot of my focus – going into freshman that first semester freshman year was okay let's I'll go to a few soccer games I'm gonna go out to the field every once in a while just keep my mind focused on soccer that way because it was one of the most important things to me at that point and then also you during your freshman year you're you're trying to build friendships connections and whatnot and it's, it's very, I'm not going to lie, it is tough. It's tough. First impressions are tough. And as you know, they, they can make or break you. you. You see that for me coming in. I wasn't 
I was the quote unquote like goody two shoes. Like I never drank, I never smoked, I never did all that. My grades were fairly tight. And then going in, it was just a different environment. And I was like, it took some getting used to and my grades. Oh, 100%. Kind of- I'll, I'll stop you there. 100% agree with you on that because I was the exact, exact same way. Like I went to a, a private high school, a Baptist high school, um, and like Christian schools throughout my entire life. Um, and like going to LaSalle was completely new to me. Like I wasn't a drinker. I wasn't a partier. It just wasn't what I was used to. I didn't know anybody. So I a hundred percent get where you're coming from. Yeah. It was, it was tough. Cause you, you know what they portray in the movies or TV shows, or even what some of your peers from back in high school used to tell you like, Oh, college is a blast, blah, 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 whatnot. Parties, party, party. Also make connections, blah, blah, blah. But it was just tough for me because I was just, I tried to keep on a straight and narrow. And for the, I'd say for the most part, I did. The toughest thing was time management when it came to academics and social. And I think in that first semester, I valued way too much on the social and going out and being with friends. Cause when I was in high school, it was pretty strict, like Monday through Friday, unless there was obviously no school. Monday through Friday, I would have school. Whether if I'm in season, I have practice, then I go home, do homework. I didn't really do much outside socially unless it was on weekends. Get to college, you maybe you might have one class, two class, three classes, four classes if you're absolutely nuts in one day. And then there's just a lot of more free time than I expected. And I was just like, what do I do with all this extra time that I have? And instead I'll tell you of- what I did freshman year. <laughs> I'll tell you. I never had watched The Office until I got to college. I watched the entire Office the season's freshman year. And now I and, love it. <laughs> and then you're hooked on that point. Yep. But but for me during that freshman year, it was it was hanging out socially, going going to athletic events, going over other people's dorms and whatnot, playing Xbox for a good amount of the time, whether it be FIFA or Madden. And then doing schoolwork. And I'll be honest, I wasn't, I didn't do well for my standards. My standards is as an honor student is I want the high, high grades. I may not get a 4.0, but I at least want to make a bet, a valiant attempt. And in that semester, I, to be truthfully honest, I did not. And I fell short of the Dean's list, which was it was disappointing so that kind of stunk but it didn't really throw me off that was it was just kind of like okay well kind of went from it I know coming to LaSalle that was one of actually the scholarships I received going there and that was one of the reasons why I chose that is um they were giving me money to keep my grades above dean's list so I had to or I would lose out on money um and I did achieve that. I also I achieved that um, each semester, and I'm I'm grateful I did. I'm proud I did. But but like it was tough. Like like you've been saying, like 
there's a fine line between balancing school, balancing social, balancing sports, um, balancing intramural sports. You know, we have to train. For that, so. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so it was tough. And I, I'm with you in that mindset that sometimes like your mind wants to go other places, but you just kind of have to put your foot in the ground and grind at it if you really want to get there for the for the school aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and I could talk about it, but it's it's one thing to talk about, it's another thing where it, when you actually experience it, it it's really fucking difficult to manage. And then hop forward to spring semester freshman year. I had it was interesting because I I went through a very kind of unique situation, something that I'm glad I, I'm kind of glad I went through, but I wouldn't kind of, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. So what happened to me is my roommate and I at the time, like we were good, like we were solid. There was one extra person there that was always hanging out. And it's one thing where, like, we were cool. But when you have that one that's always there, and it seems like it was there more often than I was, I was just like, sometimes when you're in your room, you're just like, I just want some me time, you know? Like, and it was hard to get me time, whether it was through my fault or somebody else or it was just a combination of factors, whatever. It was just very difficult. And then one specific incident where I come back from LaSalle because I, I live an hour, I lived an hour away from campus. I came back and it was around noon, I think on a Sunday. And I see my roommate and then a friend our mutual friend there he's sleeping on my bed with my sheets and stuff and i was just like what the heck i'm like there's no permission whatsoever and i was like bro what what's going on like for me that was just like that that to me was like no that was that was the last straw of it and then i just once i start like I don't know, once I start kind of moving away or like start losing interest in you as a part or not becoming friends anymore, I distance myself and I just, the more distance I get, the easier of a break it gets. So at that point, I'm just like, all right, if you want to hang out with him so much, why don't you just become roommates? I'll switch with you. And Oh, is that, that is that a conversation you had with him? It might have it came up, but it wasn't something that was like a huge conversation. It was it was one of those like awkward ones where you have to have it, but it's not something you really want to expand on and right. hash out. You like and know in the back of your head, yeah, we talked about it, but I don't know if it solved anything. <laughs> I mean, well, for me personally, it's in the future. It's just for me. It, I had more clarity. I was able to move into a different situation where I had a little bit more me time. I was able to 
manage my academics much better. I was able to socially feel clear-headed. And then also with that specific focus on soccer, like I was able to devote a lot more like mental focus towards that. And honestly, it just helped me a lot. And not only that, just next. So you know where Ordway is, right? Yeah. Yeah. At the time, it was known as a quiet house. One of the one of my teammates who I had on this podcast, Jonathan Hislop, he lived next door to the house next door, Chandler. So me and him would just we would hang out here and there, and he would train me and just kind of kept me physically in shape, but also mentally in shape. Like this is something that really motivates me and. It's something that I really want. And when I set my mind on something, then it's it's a non-negotiable. It's make or break. Like, let's go like full speed ahead. Having someone who, who holds you accountable like that, in, in my mind, is 100% a necessity for, for long-term, long-term and short-term goals. If, mm-hmm. if you have someone that can hold you accountable and is in the same mindset as you, it is such a better situation. Yeah. And just for that, I was like, I was extremely, extremely grateful. And then towards the end of freshman year, like I was so ecstatic because I was on, I was training with the soccer team during spring practices. I was every Sunday I'm playing futsal, indoor soccer with the team. And then playing, I get, a few minutes of playing time in the Springfield tournament. I made this huge save against Mount Ida, which is now defunct and doesn't exist anymore. RIP. RIP. But no, I was just at that point I was, I was riding high. I was feeling good. And then maybe a day later, or day or two later, I find out my varsity soccer coach in high school passed away because he had been dealing with leukemia for a good amount of time and one of the I considered him kind of like somewhat of a mentor but I know he was somebody that I had his back but more importantly like he had my back and he put faith in me when sometimes I didn't have faith in myself and just seeing that he passed away and just it brought me to tears. It's still kind of like, it's still tough to talk about, to be honest with you, because I still wish he was here. There's just a lot of stuff I wish I could ask, ask him now that I can't ask him. Well, I can't really do anything now about it. It was kind of a sour way to end the semester, but to be honest, that other than the rough patch at the beginning and that, death of somebody close like I was more than happy with how the fall the spring semester turned out for me freshman year now we'll get into sophomore year I am going into the summer I'm training as hard as I can for soccer trying to get myself ready leaving leaving no stone unturned whatsoever get to preseason 
and it's only me and one other person in goal. So at that point, I'm just like, all right, as long as I don't completely like screw it up, you got I'll good be odds. I, my odds are good. <laughs> I'd put money on. And luckily, I made the team, and I was, I was ecstatic. Like, call my mom, call like, made the team, and we were just so happy. And it was just for me, it was just a huge relief. And then next day comes, and I'm kind of riding that relief slash feel good throughout the preseason. And then once the season starts, the regular season started, it was just. It was tough mentally. Even though I was grateful to be on the team, like when you're on a team that loses the majority of its games, it sucks. Whether you're playing, and I wasn't playing, and nor did I deserve the play. I'm not saying that. I didn't deserve the play. I was, I was a backup to the goalie of the year, and he deserved. If if you looked. On paper, you'd think, why is he goalie of the year? But if you did the eye test, you'd be like, how is this team not losing by more? And so I was, I knew where my place was. And even though it sucked to sit there and watch our team lose, like I knew, I knew what was up. So I didn't get too down about it, but it just stunk losing. And then trying to balance that. I was able to actually balance that well with school because I got my highest grades, I think, that semester or the semester after when, when I was committed to soccer. Like, my, my grades were fine because what can you really focus on? You got your athletics, you got your academics. And then once, once I was able to put the proper amount of time and effort into those, the social – all the social aspects came after that and it so worked what out. Was the, what, what was your schedule for soccer? Like what was, what was, tell me about like how much time that consumed like daily, weekly, like what was, what was the schedule like that for that? Okay. So in a week, it was usually in the afternoons, like maybe an hour and a half to two hours a day. And then that's not including midweek games. So if it's a midweek game and and obviously with the midweek game it depends on travel. Luckily during midweek we didn't have to travel far. The only the only real travel I think I remember during the midweek was like to Regis College and Brandeis, which not far at all. So that wasn't really much of a much of a hike. But you you got the academics, which I probably took about two classes a day maybe. So that took up maybe what two hours, roughly yeah. two now two and a the, half. The other time period is that including like um, gym time, weight room stuff like that. So, what? Looking back, I would, what I probably should have done a better job of is I did not go to the weight room during the season at all. I did not. I relied strictly on practice time, and. After practice, it was get my academics in line. And could I have done a better job maybe just keeping myself in maybe better shape by going in the weight room? Yeah, sure. But at that point, I'm like, 
I'm already mentally. I was just like, I just went through practice. I got to get my homework done. I don't want to spend, I don't want to go to the gym. That's just, and that was, that's probably a bad mind. That's a bad mindset to have as an at student athlete, but it was the one I had. Cause I was, I'm also a division three backup goalie. Like I'm not going pro or anything. Cause one, once I'm done in college, like I'm not doing anything else after that when it comes to playing. So from that perspective, time-wise, maybe about four hours were academics and athletics. And then with homework, maybe it was like maybe five hours a week. I don't, I don't know how much time I spent on homework. It depends. Honestly, it depends on the uh, how heavy the assignment was. And then what really stunk towards the end of the season is I was in peer mentoring. And I would have this class from 3.30 to 4.45. And because our school doesn't have any stadium lights or anything, we had to rely on you have to get your done practices done especially during the late fall when it gets dark quick, you have to get them done in the afternoon. So I'm coming out of my first year seminar class that I'm peer mentoring and I'm going straight to practice. And it's like the last few minutes of practice and that, and that stunk. And as much as I enjoyed peer mentoring, part of my focus wasn't there all the time. Cause I'm like, damn, I'm missing practice. Like, rightfully so, right? It's it sucked. Even though, even though I got paid for peer mentoring, it was a nice little stipend. It was just like, but it's just like I enjoy soccer too much. Where I'm like, I just don't. Just get me out of this. I want to go to practice. Cause that's where I'm gonna get all my reps anyway. I'm not gonna play in the games. It's the truth, man. And then season ends. Also at that time, I'm hanging out with my roommate, who just Scott Arsenal, who happens to be one of the basketball players on the LaSalle team. And he, um, we're hanging out. Him and Jonathan Hislop are both friends. They're, and they were both religious. And at, at that time, I was like, I was kind of, getting into getting into that crowd like getting into the bible i was like man i kind of i just wanted to hang out with these guys so i in a way i like i want to be like them like this is a good group i want to be like them so i do all the bible studies do all that hang out with them and their friends and it was cool and then when the time came it was like oh you're at that point where you could get baptized as a Christian, but I'm already confirmed Catholic. So, and I brought this conversation to my parents and they weren't having it. And I don't blame them because like, there's some things where if you did the research on that specific religious group, there's some things that were kind of questionable. 
but I thought overall just being in it, I thought it was a good group, like no problem. But ultimately at the end of it, I was like, I'd rather, honestly, I'd rather be with my family and I care way too much about what my family thinks more so than others. So I couldn't, I couldn't go through with it. I still have good relations with them. I don't talk as much nearly to them anymore. And I think that was just kind of a phased out kind of deal. And I don't, I sure as hell don't regret it. Cause now I can swear whatever the fuck I want now and not feel bad about it. <laughs> so that's one thing I know Mike, who's usually on here as well. Um, I know we roomed together our senior year and I come from a background of, of Christianity and I am baptized and I, I'm a follower of that faith and whatnot. Um, so me and Mike, and I know our other roommates, Jake, Zach, JP, um, we would, we would have these random nights where we would, we would just stay up late and just like talk about stuff. It'd be like two, three, four in the morning. And a lot of the time my, my religion would come up once in a while. And, and we talk about that and they would just be going through things and be like, this doesn't necessarily make sense. I was like, let me try and explain it to you let me try and explain it to you a little bit like i don't understand it completely either i don't think anybody does that's as part of the point of of religion is there's things that we can't understand as as human beings um, um so we would have these late night conversations of just staying up late talking about these things show, sharing what we believe in and and it was it was almost like just a breath of fresh air in in the fact that these things are out in the open now we're talking about these things it gets them off your chest and it's like, it's not a secret anymore. Like, like these are things that, that matter to people. These are things that people believe in and, and whether you believe in it or not, it's, it's part of your life. It's how you live. It's, it's a big part of your mental state. And um, that's not something I'm, I'm shy of sharing. It's I'm not going to push my religion on anybody as, as far as shoving it down your throat on anything yeah. or anything like that. That's just not me. Um, but I, I'm very open to talking about stuff like that and, and, and sharing that I am a believer. Yeah. It's not necessarily that I didn't believe. It was just more so just, I, I don't know how, how to explain this well, but I think it, I think I kind of just summed it up myself earlier that I just value what my family thinks. And my family is, well, at least my mom is Catholic and that's that's the religion that's my family and we're just not we don't put it into practice or anything we still believe it's just we don't always practice what we preach but it happens and i'm not the only one no absolutely not absolutely not no but anyways it's end of season happens my grades are airtight great and then basketball season rolls around I'm watching all of Scott's games just I'm invested as a roommate just I want him to do well get to the spring semester and I'm at this point the starting goalie is going to graduate so at this point I'm the only goalie left it's my time so I'm working. I don't think I was working as hard as I could have because I didn't have that other person pushing me, you know, that 
the inside competition where it's like goalie versus goalie like because it was just me and there's only so many mental battles you can pick at yourself where at, at some point you just need somebody else to be like all right this is the guy I need to uh, be better than or within your own team. Cause if you're looking at, it's one thing to say, Oh, I want to be better than say Johnson J Wu's goalie, or I don't know, Albertus Magnus's goalie. I don't see those guys every day. And that's tough for me to be like, Oh, I'm better than those guys or I'm not as good as those guys. I want to be better than those guys it's tough because I don't know. I don't see it every day. Whereas if you see it every day, that competition just makes me want to work harder and harder. And because of that, I, I think mentally, I just, I slip and I don't think I, I, I know I did not train as hard as I probably should have. And then get news get out of history class I'm, there's supposed to be a soccer meeting but i'm in history class and then i get out and find out our head coach is leaving and for the longest for the next few months it's like well who's going to be our coach who's going to be our coach we have no clue and then days we're training during the spring practice with an interim coach who was one of the assistants and it was like they were good practices, but it just kind of felt like, uh, what's the motivation? Like, he's not going to be here. Like, what are we really doing? And plus our numbers were low because we graduated a lot of seniors. And then towards the end of the semester and almost the weekend of, like the week leading up into the spring tournament or the spring jamboree at Springfield College, we got a the hiring of our coach gets announced and it's this old like i would say like caribbean dude and he was definitely he was an intense coach like that the first day we had him like it was a lot of conditioning stuff like and it wasn't just like regular condition there was some on the ball conditioning which i didn't mind and then the next day is a saturday the tournament's on sunday so we have a practice the next that saturday before the tournament and we were told oh it's going to be a light practice whatnot on the turf on the turf at grellier like it's going to be a light practice no need to worry turns out wrong it was, oh, when I say it was worse than the practice before, literally it was worse than the practice before. Like, I don't think I've ever done that many push-ups in one area of time ever or sit-ups or any kind of, like, that kind of thing before. Like, it was just new to me. And at that point, I was just, I, mentally, I was just like, fuck this, like, the shit the shit is wrong like it's one thing to do it like push us hard but from from where i was coming from i was just like dude we have a goddamn tournament tomorrow and you're trying to run us into the ground 
like what what are you trying to accomplish other than you're just going to make people freaking mentally and physically so damn tired that by the time the thing comes around they're not going to want we're not going to want to play and when the tournament came we're like we we stunk the the first game and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pull any punches here because it's already happened i haven't told anybody this and i'm might as well say it now. First game, kid comes sliding in, hits my hits my shin or somewhere near my shin, and I go down, and I'm like ah, I'm like I'm, it hurt, like it stung, and I did it mostly so the goal would get taken away. Ball went in the back of the net, referee calls it back, no goal. All right, I'm like cool, but at that point I was like. I was mentally just, I was done. So I go to the sideline, look at it, go to the athletic trainer. I'm like, what does this look like? It's like, yeah, you got it. Like, I wouldn't say it was a, I wouldn't say it was a bruise, but it was like, I said it was a bruise, but it wasn't really like actually a bruise. It was kind of more like a scratch if anything. So, and at that point we were supposed to play Springfield next. And I, I sat that game out. Cause I was, I was just mentally done. And then after the Springfield game, I went somewhere near the, on the Springfield campus, obviously within the athletic complex away from my team. And I was just like, I called home. And I was just like, I'm done after the, after today, I'm done. Like, I don't care. Like this, this ain't fun for me anymore. I love the game. I still love it, but after a certain point when it stops becoming fun, where I don't feel that childlike joy for the game, then I'm not going to, it's not worth it. Especially if I'm not, I'm not going to get paid for it. I'm not going to get any kind of like gratification out of it that I, that I'm seeking. So there's, there's no point in me staying after after that weekend. Playing two more games. First, that first game after I was it was lost, but it was like one nothing game, so it wasn't too bad. Then we play like a few minutes later, and we're all just dragging. We're done. We're all spent, and we got we got smoked. I I don't remember what the score was, nor do I care. It, we just got smoked. And at that point, we're just like, let's just get on the bus. Let's go home. Like, let's just get out of here. And at that point, I was I was done. Like, I was already mentally checked out, to be honest. So with were you. those were those the last games you played then? Yes, those were the last games. And then summer comes around. I've already. I haven't made my decision. I haven't told anybody about it. It was just between me and my family and probably some of my friends from home. But at that point, I just said, screw this. I'm not, I'm not playing anymore. I'm still going to exercise. I'm still, I'm still going to work out. still want to be somewhat in physical shape. So I don't look like I gained a few pounds with the freshman 15 or whatnot. What the college stress does to most people. And so 
during during the summer break, I got kind of pressured in I shouldn't say pressured. Pressure is a little strong. I was encouraged to seek summer employment because if I'm not gonna train for soccer or anything, I I need a job. I need money. I need to be somewhat responsible. I need to stay somewhat busy and be responsible. So I find there's a temporary job in the local paper, and I was and I suggested, "Hey, why don't you do this?" I'm like, "I don't want to, but I will, just because I need some sort of income, and I need to do something." Go there the day day of. Supposed I'd do a. Uh, it's, I think it's like a job training or like an intro, whatever to the workplace. Orientation or yeah. Orienta- yeah, exactly. Do the orientation, and then I'm supposed to buy steel-toed boots for this job. Buy the steel-toed boots. Get back home, and like some point in the afternoon, as I'm walking in the house in the my front hallway, I pass out. Like nothing announced, nothing like maybe I started feeling like a little bit like sweaty or whatnot, but it was just boom, pass out. Wake up, ambulance is there, and it's like, what's going on? Why why paramedics are here? What's going on? And then go to the hospital, get scanned, and it's like we don't see anything, like we don't know what happened, we don't see anything. So it's like, okay. Call call the workplace like yeah I, I'm gonna take the weekend because I just had this faint spell like see how I feel hopefully Monday I can go into work okay cool next day Saturday I feel good and everything's fine like kind of rest up Sunday I'm starting to feel back to normal like ooh good I'm good I'm outside doing stuff eat lunch had my Xbox going. All of a sudden, I'm in my upstairs bathroom. Pow. Lights out. Collapse. I didn't feel a thing. I don't know how long I was out for. It could have been five minutes. could have been ten minutes. I don't know. All I know is I woke up. There was a pool of blood. And there was paramedics. And my mom... My parents, mostly my mom, was hysterical. My uh, my front teeth, right now, where I'm kind of grabbing at in this video, where Tommy sees it, my front teeth right now are fake teeth. Like, they have crowns in them. Those teeth were knocked out when I smacked my face. on the ba- Whether it was the bathroom floor or the sink, I couldn't tell you. Go to, Go to the hospital. No idea what's going on. Sitting there for hours on end. And then they decide, well, we can't really do any of like, the dental surgery or whatnot at this local hospital. We'll send you to Mass General. Go to Mass General. Ride in an ambulance for an hour on a gurney, give or take. Ride at Mass General. Have my teeth done, like, or at least something done so it doesn't look as disgusting as it did before sit there, then they go through tests and whatnot. Nothing comes up. 
one of the, I think the top doctors there is like, we're going to have you spend an overnight in, in, in a hospital bed. I'm going to have you there overnight, kind of check you out, see what's going on. Okay. Get a decent night of sleep in the hospital bed. Wake up the next morning. Like, okay, feeling good. Why not? Like, this is kind of weird what's happening, but taking it in stride. And then my parents, my brother, like, my family's there. We're laughing and joking around. My mom gives me shit all the time. Like if my facial hair grows out even the slightest bit, it's like, you have to shave, you have to shave. And it's like, ah, fine. So she starts shaving and all of a sudden, like, and I'm hooked up to a heart monitor flatline for a few seconds. And then all of a sudden, got doctors rushing in like what's going on what's going on and from there it was this it was pure pandemonium we don't know what's going on like we're all scared and then i get upgraded or downgraded however however i you want to interpret it i think it was kind of i think of it as a downgrade because i thought before then i was a pretty healthy person but now I'm getting observed like I'm like an 80 year old or some senior citizen that's got a lot of health conditions. So I get downgraded to that kind of unit where it was more intensive care kind of deal. Stay there for a few days. Nurses were great. Like they were really like, they kind of kept me like mentally kind of sane. I'm extremely grateful for my parents and my brother even though my brother who's who's got autism he's he's special needs but he's there but he's playing with his ipad he's trying to distract himself my parents are there we're, we're talking and like those two like if they didn't come every day to make that drive from gardner to cambridge i wouldn't have had anybody there with me um that's no friends nothing it was just them so for me that was that was huge for for them to just come around and stick around that whole they didn't have to spend that whole day there but they were there from like what felt like sun up to sundown like that love is like i feel like i'm close to crying right now like that just it just means so much to me but doctors check on me, go through the test, yada, yada, come to the conclusion that we don't want to do this, but in your best interest, in order for this to never happen again, we're going to put a pacemaker in you. So it was on a Friday afternoon, I had pacemaker surgery. And if you, my Instagram is private, but you follow me, Tommy. If you go in there, you see what I look like. Like it was, I'm in the hospital gurney. It's just, I look like a mess. And like the surgery went well. I got this device in my heart and it's been there for the past almost five years now. 
it stunk. Like it literally, it stunk. Because at that point, also, they tell you you can't you can't go six months. You have to go six months without driving. If you have any sort of like passing out fainting spell to that magnitude, you ha- you can't you have to go six months without driving. And that that was frustrating. So when I get back home, my parents had already set up a bed in the living room, got brought my Xbox down. So I'm just pretty much sitting there chilling, hanging out in my living room the whole time. Maybe I'd go for a brief walk outside, like maybe up the street just a little bit and then come back. Could I have done more? Maybe. I felt like I probably could have. But at that point, it's just like, I don't know how much I'm willing to push my limits. And just that the rest of the summer was was tough. Even even though I got messages of support, the thing that helped the most was just having some like of my buddies from back home just check on me and come over, see how I'm doing. Like that physical time just does a lot for you mentally. Or at least it did for me. Now, fast forward, going to junior year. My roommate is Mike. I'm rooming with Mike this year. Like, did you did you miss any of um, junior year, like the beginning of it, because this, or was this no. all summer? Okay. This was all summer. So I moved in early. I, according to the restrictions by the doctors, I couldn't lift anything heavy or anything. So I was kind of at the mercy of them, my parents. And since I moved in early, Mike moved in early, Zach moved in early, that we were able to, they were able to help me out, or at least Zach was. I don't think Mike was there. But Zach and my parents and my brother were able to help me out and arrange my stuff. Whereas I couldn't, I probably could have if I really wanted to push it, but I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to. It was just kind of that back of the head where it's like, is the risk really worth it kind of deal. So move in. I'm thinking even though the summer sucked, maybe maybe just being back at school would be better. I thought maybe. But turns out, like, mentally, I was just, it was just the beginning of a real, like, downhill, like, it was, might as well have been falling from Mount, going downhill from Mount Everest. Maybe it's a bit of an over-exaggeration, but that's, for me, that's just what it felt like internally. Going forward, get to November, and it's NFL Sunday. Checking your fantasy team, whatnot, like especially that year when we had our 14-team league, which was an absolute mess. There should never be 14 teams in the fantasy football league. It's that's a mess. I feel like this is where we kind of 
met like like got to know each other better is is like this semester like this the junior year first semester into second semester is where we kind of like became yeah. friends like we had a class i believe like freshman year like one class or something like that um but we really didn't get to yeah. know each other until like junior year it was either that or like spring of sophomore year but yeah, regardless, yeah. one of those but that nfl sunday i remember just watching the patriots versus the steelers sitting there and then i see i think it was jacob tammy got a touchdown because they went to an nfl game break and I think I, for some dumb reason, I had Tammy in that week. And I was like, you got a touchdown. Yes, I'm all excited. <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm down. Like, I lose consciousness. I'm like, what is happening? Turns out I have a seizure. I had a seizure. I didn't, when I regained consciousness, I'm in the, I'm in the ambulance in front of Bragdon Hall in the quad. And then I see the girls' soccer goalie, Sarah LeClaire, who at that time I was I was co-president of an on-campus club with her. We locked eyes with each other, and I could just tell her, like, like, oh, my fucking God. Like, what is happening? I could see that, like, in her eyes. And, as, and in my eyes, I was just like, oh, what the hell is going on? And so I get rushed to Newton Wellesley. There's my seizure. Stay there overnight. And that was kind of a mess. It was a mess. And because of that, I was like, I was so mentally, I was mentally drained already. And I carried over into my co-president responsibilities. Not only was I trying to help do what's best for the club and try to manage it. I'm also within the club. There's somebody else that's like, Oh, I want an elevated role in like, we'll say the executive branch of it. And I was just like, what the hell? Why am I dealing with this? What, what am I, why am I dealing with this? Like it was, it was just a mess. And by the end of that semester in regards to the club, like I might as well have just been booted out. Like I virtually had no say and it, it kind of, it, it was one of the, it was a contributing factor to what started reaching my breaking point because like with this club, it was the Barry price club where we're working with, I wouldn't say, I shouldn't say working. We're, we're volunteering, we're doing activities with these adults with disabilities. And because of my own experience with my brother, like, like this group means a lot to me. And I, and I really wanted to do well, like, and put the club, like promote it and do what, do whatever it had to do to make sure it was like a club that people wanted to join. And going into a meeting with the club advisor, I was just, if, do you have any explanation for what's going on what's gone wrong? I'm like, it's my fault. Like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Neglecting the fact that I didn't really tell them like 
mentally I was just out of it. I was like, I was down. I was down and my grades at that point, like kind of like what would happen with freshman year in that fall semester. It's for anybody else. It would be like, those are good grades. What are you talking about for me? I was like, I didn't make Dean's list. This, this isn't good. Like, this is terrible. And that, that took a toll on me. And then fast forward, there's another story I could tell you, but that's for another, I think it's for another and more private time. That one, I'm, that story I'm not willing to share. Now, if you fast forward to spring semester, and at that point, I was, I'm kind of slowly like growing detached here and there. And then I was, I had an MRI appointment for my heart at Mass General on a Thursday morning. And I know this because I was supposed to have Marie Franklin's class. I forget what it was called. It wasn't, it wasn't journalism. It was Oh, it was magazine and feature writing. It was the only, that was my only class of the day. And I figured this mass general appointment is at 730. This MRI should get done like kind of quick. Maybe I'll be back in time for class. MRI gets done. Heart's fine. Why not? Go down. So my dad brought me in a mass general. I'm down in the lobby. I'm walking, I'm ready to head out. I look around, I'm like, where's my dad? Where'd he go? Like, then I kind of, I was, I kind of, I panicked. I had no idea what was going on. And in that time, I drop middle of Mass General's lobby, another seizure. And that whole day, it was just like, why? Why now? I was supposed to go to class and then why, why am I, why am I a mass general? Why another seizure? Why, why can't just things kind of just break my way? And, and it was, it was rough, man. Like, and then get back. I don't know if I got back the night off of the night, day I got the seizure or if I, it was the next day but I'm pretty sure I skipped my Friday classes. And I, I don't know if I was, I think I might've been working on something for 1851 because I was going to do something as a guest writer. And that turns out nothing happened there. And so I went home. And then at that point, I was just, I was so far gone. I there was one particular class photojournalism I I barely showed up I didn't put hardly any effort into it I only took it because I thought oh this might be interesting and hindsight should I have dropped it probably but I th I, th I was too prideful at the time to drop it because I wanted to see it out and I just the subject wasn't for me and because it wasn't for me and I was already struggling mentally, I just didn't show up over half the time.
and then in my other classes like the sports information one i did well sport law could care less i i did fairly well but it was not really that interesting to me magazine feature writing did okay i could have done better could have done maybe i could have done worse but i definitely could have done a lot better and i don't know what my other class was but all i know is that was my lowest gpa of the semester and meanwhile at that time i'm i'm going to counseling after the second seizure happened i was i started going to counseling i i don't know if i think i might have went twice a week I don't know if it got up to three, but I definitely went twice a week. And man, oh man, like I cried a lot that semester, whether it was in my own dorm room or just in counseling, just trying to figure my shit out. Like I was, I was so fucking miserable that whole time. And then it all came to a head because I remember this specific, I wouldn't say specifically, but I do remember this. Like I was, I was at the point where I just said, fuck this shit. I don't care. I'm just going to speak honestly. Where I remember there was 12 people. It was supposed to be divided up into two suites. We don't have to go into names, but I think you'll remember the names. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know, Tommy. I vaguely remember this. I just... All I know is, all I know is, we spent hours on hours trying to figure out how we can divide up twelve people into two six-people suites. And I remember, I know at one point I said, "I don't care how you guys arrange it. All I know is, I want me." Tommy, Mike, and I think JP, maybe Zach Brown, I don't know. All I know is it was like, it was definitely you, me, and Mike were the three, like right away. Everything else, like you guys can settle it on your own. I I could care less. If nobody wants to ruin me, fine. I'll take the single, but I just, if you're going to put me in a suite, I would just go with that. And I know Mike talked to me personally. It's like, he told me like before the whole discussion thing, he's like, yeah, his old room, his old roommate came up to him. He, he wants to room with me again. And I told him, yeah. And I'm like, at least you're being honest with me. Like, that's good. Like, I appreciate that. Not the news I want to hear, but you know what? At least, Mike was honest with me. Yeah. Which is something. And then only to find out you're going through, we're trying to, you've, you've seen the It's Always Sunny uh, with Charlie, that whole meme there, where he's got all this stuff bullet with the bulletin board and whatnot. <laughs> the and just going, yeah. yeah, you're just like crazy with all these ideas. And yet, despite hours of it, you come back and it's like, and Mike tells me, oh, my old roommate doesn't want to room with me anymore. He wants to room with somebody else. I'm like, 
you, we couldn't have discussed this in a meeting like you waited till after like what the what the fuck and at that and i think also with jp i th- he was i think he was going to be an R, ra anyway yeah if, if i remember right that changed things too because jp was like now i'm going to go for an ra position he got that and that completely changed it all over again yeah and that changed it too but i was at that point like I was, nothing with jp like like he did him and I, honestly like, i was I had no opinion of it. I still don't really have an opinion of it other than good for him. Like hey, if that's I missed what he, him. That was my first year not rooming know. with him. I, I missed him. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I wish I could say I feel that, but <laughs> my roommate door was constantly revolving. But getting no back shade to, toward Jake though, because Jake yeah, became my roommate. Great guy. Love yeah. Jake. <laughs> Yeah, just at that point, I was like, you know, once the trying to figure this whole thing out, and we couldn't figure it out. I was just like, you know, what? fuck you guys, fuck fuck everybody. I'll just live in a single by myself senior year. I don't care, or I, or at least I try to play it off like I don't care, but I cared. Like it sucked. Out here, I was dealing with a bunch of shit that I couldn't, nobody could have forecasted. And I'm trying to hang in there. And yeah, I probably isolated myself from the group, but I didn't, whether my, I was, my judgment was probably clouded. Like, I didn't feel like I got supported enough at that time. And now you guys just want to like jump ship or whatever. Like, fuck you guys. I'll, I'll just live on my own. And like I said, that was academically, socially, emotionally, everything. Like I can honest, I think I can say like that was my depression right there. Like if that was, if that wasn't depression, it was pretty damn close to it for me. Like it, it was bad. Like probably the worst I've ever felt. And then, so we go into the summer, whatnot. Mind you, I haven't found an internship yet. I don't know what I'm gonna do for it. Hell, I'm I'm just trying to make it through, make it to August, because by the time August comes, I'm able to drive again. Because, as I said, with the seizure or any kind of like where you pass out as bad as I did. Do you have, they tell you, you can't, you got to go six months without driving. And from February, February plus six, it's August. I have to have to wait till August to drive. So that summer sucked. I want to go to, do I want to go to the gym? Yeah. I want to go to the gym. One problem. Hey mom, dad, can you drive me over to the gym? At 21 years old, who wants to ask their parents, like, can you drive my ass to the gym? Hey, I want to hang out here. Mom, dad, or one of my friends, like, can you dr- pick me up and drop me off and whatnot? 
that sucks. That that sucks from an ego standpoint where I can do this shit myself, but I can't do it. I'm not supposed to do it. And that stunk. And then at one point, I think I was going on a road trip to New Jersey to see a family friend of my mother's. I had this idea where, okay, well, I did a profile story on Brianna Robbins, who I had on before. You weren't there, but Mike was there for that episode. I knew she worked at a high school. And at that point, I was, I was interested, like, you know what? High school was a great time for me mentally. Like, I wish some people were, you get made fun of for peaking in high school. For me, I feel like I peaked in high school. If not, maybe I peaked sophomore year of college. But for me, I felt like those four years of high school wouldn't trade them for anything. So I was especially attached to a, like a high school environment. And I text Bri like, hey, is there an internship position open at where you work? Because I know you got an internship there in the athletic department. Is it, do you think that would be open? Che- she checks and, yep, there's an opening. Okay. Fill out, do a resume, fill out a cover letter. Senior year comes around. Get an in, get an interview. Interview gets done, and then how soon can you start? I'm like, oh, damn, already. Like, okay, okay. yeah. Let's get started right away. Like, how soon do you want me? Friday night for a football game? Okay, done. Let's do it. And so. I'm not going to go too much into senior year because it was pretty, it was pretty much like standard operating procedure. I would have class Monday, at least in the first semester, class Monday through Friday. I would go into my internship on a few certain mornings, probably Monday and maybe Wednesday or Friday. I would go to, I would go to some games, whether it be, a lot of varsity, whether it's varsity soccer, varsity football. Hell, I even did – I was part of the chain crew for a freshman football game. Whatever I had to do to get involved, that's what I did. So it was academics, internship, and then I didn't really – because I had at that point at the end of junior year, I isolated myself from so many people. I didn't really do much socially. Hell, I even I got to the point where I got rid of my Xbox. Like I didn't play Xbox my senior year. I didn't play any video games senior year. So it was pretty much I would go I would go back, probably take a nap, and then either watch TV, go on Netflix, if my as long as my homework was done. That's what I did. And then at the end of fall semester, I part of me was like, do I want to try another internship? Yeah, I mean, Celtics internships were open. I was like, 
Ooh, it'd be so cool to work for the Celtics. Not going to lie. But ultimately, and part of it was because it was Vicente, it was Dr. Vicente was looking at my cover letter that I made a mock-up of. And she just like scribbled all over it. And I was at that point, I was just like, yeah, I don't think this is for me. So, and then I went back to the athletic director because he told me to explore more. I was like, you know what? I want to come back. I came back and it was, it was the best, probably one of the best decisions I made throughout my four years. Cause at that point, I didn't go in for the grade. I, I went in for the, I didn't necessarily go in for the grade to begin with, but because at our school an internship is required for a grade. Yeah. I had to go there for a grade and probably because I, I went there for the grade, I put too much pressure on myself and I made quite a few mistakes, but now that I didn't have to go for a grade, but I wanted the experience. I felt more at peace. I felt freer. I felt like I can open myself up more to do more and not worry so much about, Oh, what's my next mistake going to be? Because once you start thinking like that, the mistakes are just inevitable to happen. And so ultimately like that was, that internship was, Oh, it was, I can't say enough. Like it was, it was a great experience for me. It was much needed too. And, and the senior year. Oh, it was, dude, I honestly, it took to the last semester of senior year. I picked the greatest schedule ever for, was at it least one for of those, me like, Monday, Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, no classes, Tuesday, Thursday, or something like that. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. Now, now, granted, I still had to wake my ass up like at 5.30 in the morning just so I could make it to uh, Malden without hitting traffic. But at that point, it's like, I don't have to worry about class. So when I get back to school, I, I could just take a nap, get my schoolwork done, and have what feels like no pressure whatsoever. And so for that for that reason like my schedule worked out great i i had no complaints and go through senior year blah blah blah. at the end it was like well are you gonna do the are you gonna do senior week are you gonna do the torch ceremony i didn't do the torch ceremony who was i gonna pass my torch on to i had already like I mentioned multiple times, I already pretty much isolated myself from most of the people at LaSalle. And if I had any friends, it was with people in the same graduating class as me. Who am I going to pass my torch down to? Nobody. I didn't pass it to nobody, so there was no point in me showing up. Senior week. You had to pay, I don't know, how much did you have to pay to participate in C week? Like five hundred bucks? Yeah, it was like three hundred or five. I don't remember exactly. Some amount of money where I was like, I at that point I was I was in my feelings where I was like, 
I could care less if I see these people ever again. Well, like 90, we'll say 99% of them. I could care less. Like if I see him, I see him. That's great. But if not, I could care less. So I didn't, I didn't bother participating in senior week. So you guys go on a boat cruise. Cool. You guys go on a, go to the casino, whatever, whatever else you did during that senior week. I don't know. I didn't care. At that point, I packed up. I was already at home, and I was good with that. And then graduation day comes. Other than the miserable weather, <laughs> other than the miserable weather, like it was great. Got my diploma. Get to say my last goodbyes, whatnot. Like see ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. You sure as hell wouldn't want to be me after what I had been through, what I had been through, you wouldn't want to be me. So I was like, I'm out. And ever since, other than when I parked on La- at LaSalle, just so I can go to Newton Wellesley and not have to pay any like parking thing at Newton Wellesley, just park at LaSalle, take, take that walk, go, go past the Woodland tea stop, which was, which always jogs back memories. But other than that, it's just like, I haven't, I haven't stepped foot at LaSalle. And I don't. I'm with you. I, I, ha- I have not been back since graduation. And I have, I have no reason to. I have, yeah. and I have no desire to. Yeah, that, that pretty much sums up my four years. Even though I will add one more thing. The day after, I'm pretty sure I tweeted. I know I tweeted something. I don't know how it went because I don't have it in front of me. But it went, it almost went something like, like, I'm happy I graduated. But man, like, do I, I wish I had a do over. Like, I, I threw away like my college year, my undergrad years. And I was like, I, I was, I wasn't as depressed, but I felt down. Like I felt really down. Like now I don't know what to do. Yeah. I'm supposed to be happy. I graduated, but I can't help but think all the, all this emotional, physical pain that I went through. Like, I just wish I had a better experience and I still do. Has, has your outlook on it, changed at all now though has it been three years since we graduated now has it has it changed in the sense that you're in a different mindset now so you look back on it a little differently or no i definitely look at it differently just because even though what i've been saying like i wouldn't wish this on anybody but i've also been very fortunate i have like i've been very fortunate i've gotten some breaks just to be an undergrad undergraduate that's that's great just to be able to say i didn't have to go to school and have a bunch of crazy ass student loans because of scholarships whether they came from LaSalle itself or some scholarships that were applied yearly from from my own high school 
some of those scholarships. Like I was, I was fortunate in that sense. I was, I was fortunate that the few people that I did meet there that I, that I liked and I'm still friends with today, like you and Mike, for example, you made the cut. Like I'm for, I'm very fortunate. I met you guys. I'm all, I'm very fortunate at the people I met that I didn't get along with because you gotta eventually you gotta go through that experience to grow and know these are the type of people that you either don't want to deal with or you're gonna have to deal with, but you don't have to necessarily get along with them, you know. And so, from that. I guess from my perspective, like I've, I was, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate, but I also, I'm not going to lie and say, say I didn't have some bad, like misfortune and say like, there's some shit that made it just 20 times worse where it's the uh, one step forward, two steps back kind of deal, you know? First off, I I just want to I just want to thank you for sharing all this. Like you didn't you didn't have to do this. Like no one asked you to do this. You you literally volunteered to share your story right now. And and like when you brought that idea to me and Mike, I know me and Mike talked to each other and we're like, "Well, I was I was kind of out of nowhere for us." And we're like, "Oh man, I don't know if we really have like a story to tell with this with this mental awareness month and all that." But I, I know you were you were very passionate about that. And I legit said that to Mike. I was like, this is something he's passionate about. We're going to do this. And I'm glad I was able to do it first off. Um, so thank you for that. Um, it shows, even though I've known you for three to five years, whatever it may be, like, I didn't know a lot of this stuff about you. Like, this is, some of this is new to me. Like, I knew the gist of it. I didn't know the details of it, the, how far it went and all that. And it's, it's inspiring still to be talking to you right now. Like, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous, the thought of, what you went through and like here we are having a conversation about it like five six years later yeah man it's just it's crazy it's it's honestly been crazy and the the only the reason i bring it i wanted to do this to begin with is it's almost for me it's going to be a a clear conscience because a lot of this stuff other than in uh in counseling at LSL and with the counselor you try to keep it confidential you just want to keep it between yourself and the person that's trying to counsel you a lot of the stuff like I kind of I kept it in and I've had days where it's been really good and I've had days where it's been really bad since graduating college but just having this mental health awareness, I find it's a huge deal to me because I just, I don't wish what happened to me. I don't wish anybody with any kind of mental disease, whether it be addiction or some other kind of mental affliction, I don't wish it on anybody. Because once something affects your head, everything else just it crumbles and just being able to share all of that and just get it out 
and maybe maybe the people who listen to this think maybe what I say is good for them. Like, hey, man, I didn't know that. Or maybe they go, I don't expect. Maybe I I don't expect sympathy. If I get it, great. If not, I I could care less. For me, it, it, I'm just doing this for me at this point. Because a lot of times I try to think about others, not maybe not so much in a giving sense, but how how do others perceive it, and how will others think of it? But no, this this episode is important for me, just because I need to get this off my chest, and if I if I never do. I just, I don't know. If, I know I could live by myself, but it would be very difficult just to be able to be feel free. It truly is one of the, the toughest things in life is to, is to stop necessarily caring what other people are thinking. Like, like you just said, like, like I'm doing this for, for my sake, like to get this off my chest, like, it doesn't matter what people think of if they, when they hear this story, when they hear your story, it's, this is for your own mental health right now is getting this off your chest. And like, if there are people listening to have stories similar to yours or different than yours, that they feel like they need to legitimately get it off their chest. I know both of us are a hundred percent willing to listen to them. Um, So please do. If if that is you listening to this, reach out to us. Um, We want nothing but the best Uh, like I'm listening to Christian, I, don't, I want nothing but the best for him. Um, and I know if we listen to someone else's story, we want literally nothing but the best for these these other people listening to. So I know both of us, our mindsets are are not not necessarily all about other people, but it's also for ourselves and to to help us grow, to help us feel free, like you mentioned. But we want to help others too. We want to reach out to others too if we can help them. Um, so I. I'm with Christian. This is one of the most important topics I think of our generation right now is, is mental health. It's, it's an important conversation to have. And also I just want to mention one thing before, before we end it, whenever we do end it, if people are the people listening, know my, know of my story or have experience, or I shouldn't say experience, know, know my story know the stories that I've told I don't want it to make it these stories to make it sound like that other the other people were bad or were very like negative influences on me I'm just telling it through how I saw it especially at that time where my frame of mind was at and I don't want that to reflect reflect badly on those other people Hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, you were you were in a place and you were telling what you were feeling, your truth, and like that's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with how you felt and your truth. That's that's life. Um, yeah, I didn't mention this when you were going through the story because it was such a raw moment. But um, when you when you were mentioning the seizure in, I think it's Bragdon, right? Bragdon. Um, yeah. And you're in the in the ambulance. It was, it was like 4.30, which was like our dinner time and all that for me in my, yeah. my uh, room. We actually walked out there and, and saw you. I don't know if you remember this or not, on the ambulance. Yeah. And we, we literally like pointed at you and like 
put our put our fist to our chest that we got you. I don't know if you remember that or you were conscious or not, I, but you literally you did raise that. your hand to us, and we're like, oh, okay, good. That that gave us like huh. a little feeling of like, he's he's all right, he's okay. Um, but I, I remember, remember that, and I was like, oh man. I usually remember a good amount. I don't remember that part specifically. Yeah, I, I just want to share that. I was like, that's I, I vividly do remember that day and like what happened right there and. It was it was troubling. Like, man, we saw our friend in the ambulance. Like, we didn't know what was going on until like Mike had to explain it to us. We're like, man. Yeah. Usually, Mike's the middleman in a lot of these these stories. He is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good old Mike. <laughs> Shout out to him for uh, working right now and not being on this podcast. Yep. So somebody's got to work to pay the bills. That's right. He's he's paying for this podcast to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. But uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, again, thank you, thank you for sharing this, and and I hope people listening truthfully, like thank thank you as well. Like it's it's an inspiring story. It's it's cool to hear, and I'm I'm happy I was able to do it with you. Honestly. Well. I don't know if you're kissing ass to me right now, but oh, I never, never. You know I appreciate this. Yeah, I'm right. Kissing ass. You know that. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> For most I'm things. Just, For most I, things. I'm just messing with you, but yeah. All right, we will. Uh, we will end this one right there. Um, be sure to follow us, Laser Tag Podcast, on the Instagram, and um, that'll give you updates on um, our next podcast. All right signing out and thanks for letting me be a guest on my own show always you're always welcome <laughs> <laughs>